Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number 23 of the Other Six Podcast. My name is Chad Boak, and I'm your host. And joining me in the studio today, our fearless guest, <laughs> our lead pastor, Adam Bishop. Adam, how are you, sir? Fearless. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to come up with a good adjective for you. Fearless is what I think of. Okay. Well, yeah. that's absolutely not true, <laughs> <laughs> because I do have some... Are we going to discuss my fears today? Uh, we can, if you Cheaper like. Cheaper than counseling. That's so right, maybe yeah. that's what we'll do. Yeah. Everyone can listen in as I share my <laughs> deepest, darkest fears. So uh, no, I won't do that. No, that's I appreciate being called fearless. Yeah, Thanks, absolutely. man. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, lead, you lead with no fear, and I, I think that's great. So. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that's great. Anyway, uh, how was your weekend? Everything good? Well, we got to acknowledge that Matthew's not with us. Matt's not with us, yeah. and we miss Matt. So we missed you last week. Glad right. to have you back. Now we're right. missing Matt this week. You know, knock on wood, maybe next week we're all three back together. I would really, really like that. Yeah, but we had a good weekend. We yeah. had some basketball games, you know, coaching Henry's team and Jacob's team. So that was all right. fun. Now, you told me something about Jacob, and you got to brag on your son here because this is awesome. Oh, he balled out a little bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, you know, to give some context, we ended up having to be a three-on-three game. So, okay. you know, a couple kids out, you know, this night and the other. So um, I was proud of him. He, he he scored quite a few baskets. But he also incorporated his teammates, yeah. you know, and, and they scored as well. And um, the team that we beat hadn't been beaten yet this oh, wow. year. So um, so we, we enjoyed that. That That's was great. fun. So yeah. uh, it was a good time. And then Henry's team, man, I got a bunch of little four- and five- and six-year-olds, and uh, they're doing so good. I'm proud of them. They're That's learning really the game and having a good time. And um, so, yeah, we had, a, we had a great weekend, and um, it, and then obviously a great Sunday at church. Yeah, it was really so good. So that was a lot of fun. Great to see a lot of folks up here, get to catch up some and before and after services. So, yeah, man, how about y'all? Did y'all have a good weekend in the Boke household? Yeah, it was, man. You know, it was kind of uh, – it was a little more chill, you know, so we, we kind of got nice. some stuff done around the house, and uh, it was, you know, good just to get to hang out with the girls and Christy and uh, – so yeah, we enjoyed that. I mean, I you know again, it's, sometimes it's nice just to slow down for a little bit and uh, yeah, you know. yeah I, mine was not slow. Right, <laughs> I want one of those weekends. Right, yeah, maybe in the summer I'll get one yeah, at some point. Nice. Yeah, that'd be nice. No, it was a good weekend. Well, good deal. Well, you know, this past Sunday we we kind of wrapped up our series that we've been in, be yeah. a light. And, uh, and it, we were talking about being a light to others. And so, you know, I guess we'll go ahead and jump right in and kind of talk about, uh, about the sermon. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, you started out the message with a pretty lengthy passage from, uh, it was from John, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you were talking about when Jesus was calling uh, some of the disciples to come and follow him. And, uh, and so I want to just kind of talk about that a little bit. What, what must have that have been like for those disciples? And, you know, is there any sort of uh, context cultural or otherwise, that would kind of help us understand that passage a little bit more about what was going on there. Yeah, and there have been others that have studied this more than me, but the basic idea would be by that point in your life, you'd kind of been passed over for any type of spiritual leadership. Okay. So Pharisees, Sadducees, the religious leaders, if you will, that was really tied to their educational system. They kind of let the Old Testament almost serve as their guide for education, maybe like we would think of as textbooks. Okay. And so at an early age, those types of kids were usually identified. And if you didn't get picked to do that, you pretty much learned the family business. Okay. So, you know, James and John, the sons of thunder, you know, that's what Jesus called them. Their dad's name wasn't Thunder. It was Zebedee, (laughs) but Thunder sounds a lot better, you know? That's a pretty cool nickname. So when James and John became disciples, and left Zebedee, I've always expected the next verse to say, and then Zebedee filed suit at the local courthouse because now (laughs) he no longer had someone to help him with the family business. And so there is some significance to the fact that these guys, you know, fishermen, holding down just normal jobs, not the guys that people look to as the religious, educated leaders. 
and these are the guys that Jesus chose. Right. So yeah, there's definitely something to that idea. The other thing that's interesting about John's account, which is what we're reading yesterday, he's casting that in the greater context of the relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus. So, you know, John's account is where we see John the Baptist saying, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Um, he must increase, I will decrease, right. some great things. And then Jesus said, of everyone that's ever lived, no one's greater than John the Baptist. And so, hmm. you know, we see that Andrew had been a follower of John the Baptist, and then to for John the Baptist to encourage him to leave and now start following Jesus, um, there's obviously some significance to that. So there's a lot of things happening. And then, you know, recently my boys and I were talking about this. It is really remarkable that Jesus didn't need any help to right. come and change the world. Jesus didn't need any help to provide salvation for us, but yet he chose these 12 guys. Yeah. There's something happening there with the power of community. It's almost like a forerunner to what we see unpacked uh, post-ascension with the development of the church and the and the importance of community. Right. That Jesus modeled that for us in his three years of public ministry with these guys. They were his friends. Right. And um, I love what John, the Apostle John, says at the end of his gospel, John chapter 21, that if we recorded everything that Jesus had done, there wouldn't be enough books in all the world. Right. And so, you know, we get a glimpse of what it would have been like to be a part of those three years of public ministry from the four gospels. But John's like, man, we didn't even get a chance to record half of it. Wow. So one of the things that'll be fun to do in heaven one day is, you know, sit around with John, Peter, and these guys and listen to them tell some stories about some stuff that they got to see firsthand with Jesus that didn't get recorded in scripture. But can you imagine kind of getting to be in the middle of that? And so, right. and being chosen to be a part of that right. when Jesus chose these guys. So yeah, there's a lot of things happening. And part of what the Pharisees and Sadducees then continued to accuse Jesus and his disciples of is like, this is a bunch of countryside riffraff. These guys don't know anything, <laughs> right? Anything good out of Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. these guys are uneducated bumpkins, is right. pretty much what the Pharisees and Sadducees are saying the whole time. And it's interesting that in that passage I read yesterday, like it, it calls Jesus son of Joseph. I mean, you picked up on that. Mm. That was one of the things Jesus had to constantly counter this narrative that he was an illegitimate child. Uh. It followed him around. There was a lot of people who never bought into the whole idea that, sure, God's your dad, you know, right. so he was ridiculed for that. So there's just a lot, when you really start paying attention to what you're reading in God's Word, it, it can show you quite a few things. Yeah, and I, I love, you know, kind of what you said there. Obviously, there's a lot of parallels, you know, Jesus calling his disciples, calling us. You know, it wasn't it wasn't likely that these guys were going to change the world, but Jesus used, you know, the ones that were most unlikely. That's really encouraging for us today, you know, that God can use us, you know, no matter where we're at. If anything, their three years of public ministry showed showed us how disqualified they really were <laughs> right. to be used to change the world. Wow. They never really got it. Wow. They asked a lot of dumb questions, and it's easy to take a shot at them, hindsight. Right. But to me, the greater principle that's being highlighted there is the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And this is why when Jesus left, he told them, y'all go just hang out for a little while until I send you my right. helper, because right. you guys will mess this whole thing up if you go in your own power. Right. It's a good reminder for us yeah. that we too need the Holy Spirit. You and me and anybody else listening, we're not going to change the world. First of all, we've never been called to change the world. Jesus already took care of that. Right. He changed the world. But he has called us to be a light. He has called us to fulfill a great commission. But he gave us a helper to make that possible. He doesn't expect us to do that on our own strength. We right. needed the Holy Spirit and need the Holy Spirit just like his own disciples did. Right. So if people who hung out with Jesus for three years need the Holy Spirit, how much more do we? Mm -hmm. So yeah, these guys in their own strength, you know, they weren't getting it right. right. And, and we, in our own strength, we won't get it right either. Right. We need the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. Yeah, and we talked about that a lot during our series, The Holy Spirit, about how Jesus said, 
it's better for you to have the Holy Spirit than for me to physically be present with you. And I guess that would be why. Yeah, and we talked about that verse yesterday that, you know, the Spirit has given you not timidity, not fear, but power, love, right. self-discipline. All of those things are being supplied by the Holy Spirit. That's really cool. So the title of your message yesterday uh, was basically how to be a light to those around us. And I thought it was an interesting parallel uh, because you started out this series talking about light dimmers. And uh, and I guess so yesterday you were talking about us uh, being a light amplifier. So how can we avoid being a light dimmer and be a light amplifier to those around us? Be a Tigger, not an Eeyore. <laughs> Think back to Winnie the Pooh. Sure. I loved Winnie the Pooh when I was a kid. And then having raised three boys, watched quite a few episodes of Winnie the Pooh along the way. I mean, who doesn't love Tigger? Right. I mean, every time Tigger shows up, it just gets better. And then... Who doesn't like get driven crazy by Eeyore, right? right? right you know, yeah. and so in life, you can be a Tigger or you can be an Eeyore. Mm-hmm. You can bring energy or you can you can sap energy. You can be the kind of person that everyone's happy when you walk into the room. You can be the kind of person everybody's happy when you leave the room. Okay, <laughs> and the only person who gets to make that decision is each person. Wow. We all face challenges. We all have struggles. We all have issues. We all have problems. We all have pain. We all have heartache. We all have. Everybody's walking through something. Right. There are some people, however, that choose to continue to be a light in spite of all of that. The mm. people in your life that are lights aren't lights because they're not facing problems, challenges, or issues. They're lights that because in spite of all these things, they actually still believe, like what we've talked about, that we're called to do this, and they rely, once again, not on their own strength. They are being empowered through a Holy Spirit empowerment to continue to be a light. And so I think it's a prayer to pray every single day, hmm. every single day. I mean, because... God's mercies are new every day, but challenges are new every day as well. So, you know, every day, you know, we pray, God, help me to be a light for you. And I need you to supply the power for me to be that light. Because the way I feel right now, I don't feel like being a light. Right, yeah. (laughs) You know, and I think it's just a good reminder. And then the other thing I would say is we have to give ourselves some grace. We don't always get this right. Right. You're not always going to be a light at work. You're not always going to be a light at home or in your marriage. And, And when that happens, you know, be quick to own it and apologize. Right. You know, the standard isn't perfection. But it also doesn't help anybody if we're just arrogant and we live in denial, right? right. So yeah, even the best of tiggers have their Eeyore days, you right. know. So right. when that happens, own it and, and keep and keep moving forward. But it is a choice, and it's a very intentional choice. Mm-hmm. This is not something that you drift your way into. You have to intentionally choose to have that mindset, have that attitude. You know, be guided by the Holy Spirit. If right. not, man, life will just suck it right out of you. Yeah, because there are a lot of challenging things going on around us at all times. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. Be a Tigger. That's really, really good. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, I like it. So, you know, one other thing you talked about yesterday, you talked about, uh, you know, truly believing that Jesus can change lives. And uh, I thought about that a lot because, you know, there's, there's times in my life where I've known people, and I'm sure we all have, where, you know, you're like, ah, I don't know if that person's legit, you know, with what they're saying. Why can it be so hard for us to truly believe that Jesus has changed a person's life? So a helpful mental exercise, I wouldn't spend more than about 10 minutes on this, but maybe take about 10 minutes and think about all of the things about yourself you don't like. Think about all of your struggles, your weaknesses. Uh, Paul calls it when we live in the flesh. You know, you do the things that you're not supposed to do. Right. Okay. What are the things that drive your spouse crazy? What are the things about yourself that you wish would change? Okay. Take about 10 minutes and just think about those things. And then think about who you would be if Jesus had never entered your life. Hmm. It would be that times about a thousand. Maybe wow. for some of us, times about a million. Yeah. So many times we forget, A, what we were like before we met Christ. 
But if you met Christ maybe when you were younger or maybe you met Christ in a season of your life where you hadn't really done a whole lot of terrible things, maybe then B, a helpful mental exercise would be, well, think about yourself in light of all of those weaknesses, challenges, living in the flesh, what you would be like without Jesus's saving grace in your life, without Mm -hmm. the power of the Holy Spirit in your life all of those things without anything to restrain them or hold them back. So many times we as Christians give ourselves way too much credit that Jesus not only saved us by his grace, but he continues to sustain us by his grace. For a lot of Christians, they think I'm saved by grace, I'm sustained through performance. I'm saved by grace, I'm sustained through obedience. No, it don't work that way. His grace sustains you as well. So the first reason that we struggle with that is we fail to recognize and remember just how terrible we would be if Jesus hadn't saved us. The second thing is we get arrogant to think then somehow we're better than other people who haven't yet been saved by the Lord. Mm. The only thing that separates us from those who aren't followers of Jesus is the fact that he saved us. We're not better people. Jesus didn't come to make you know bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Mm. And we can really cast um, a lot of condemnation towards those who aren't yet Christ followers. And instead of asking the question, well, why would they act any different than the world? Right. I would be acting the same way if not for the Holy Spirit in me. And so when we begin to think that way, we're robbing the gospel of its power through our thought process. Now, the gospel is never going to be robbed of its power. We're not powerful enough for that. But we are robbing it from its power with the way that we think about it. And so, yeah, if there's people in your life and they're far from God and everything about their life is the exact opposite of what you think or I think it looks like to be a Christ follower, it seems to me as I read through the Bible, those are the kind of folks that God goes after. I mean, nobody expected Saul, the persecutor of Christians, to be the person Jesus would use to spread the gospel to the Gentiles. Right. You know, and we could we could go through multiple other accounts, you know, in, in, in God's word. So, you know, the 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 fact remains that when Jesus died on the cross, his death was sufficient enough for everyone, including the people in our lives that sometimes we think, man, they're just so far. No, they're not. They're an image bearer. And Jesus died for them as well. So we have to believe that to our core. And, you know, sometimes we just have to give ourselves a check. It's like, you know, why, why am I thinking that about them? It's especially important to remember, like, with the next generation. Hmm. You know, sometimes people want to complain about kids do this or teenagers do that. or what. Instead of, you know, I remember my brother-in-law said one time, he's a fantastic brother-in-law. He's a fantastic man of God. He also happens to be a fantastic pastor as well as another hmm. church. One time he was talking Um, to a group of us, and he said, when you start thinking about other people's sin, here's the question to ask yourself. Am I bothered by it, or am I broken over it? It's a great question. So if we're bothered by it, we're arrogant Christians who have life figured out. If we're broken over it, we're broken over sin and its destruction and what it's causing, and it's a reminder of the destruction that sin has caused in our lives, and it's a reminder of the gospel's power and how Jesus has saved us. And so we want to be broken over others. We don't want to be bothered by others. Right. And that's one of the things that should separate us and set us apart as Christ followers. Yeah. I love what you said there about, you know, uh, the next generation, because, you know, I, I've talked to some folks sometimes and they're like, yeah, I can't believe this person is doing it. And I think to myself, man, I wouldn't want to be judged on who I was 10 years ago. I wouldn't want to be judged who I was five years ago. You know, I, and, and, and it, I think we have to remember how far God's brought us, you know, and, uh, and again, like you said, it's only the work of the Holy Spirit and, and, and the you know, goodness of Jesus to us. 
Um, you mentioned uh, a verse yesterday in your message, Matthew 11, uh, 28, I believe, where you talked about how when we feel burdens, we can go to Jesus and Jesus will give us rest. God will give us that rest. I guess my question for you with that is practically, what is what does that look like? So the other verse that comes to mind is from Philippians, where we're told, don't be anxious about anything. <laughs> really? Like, I don't get to be anxious about anything. Right, right. <laughs> so don't be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication, fancy word for asking, through prayer and just making request of God, bring your request to God. And then the the promise of doing that is that the peace of God will be given to us. Hmm. And so it's a really interesting dynamic with our prayer life that when I have anxiety, when I feel like I'm carrying around the weight, Jesus says, I want to give you rest. You, you need to take that weight off of you. This isn't something for you to carry. This is for me to carry. Hmm. You don't need to be anxious. You need to bring that to me. You need to tell me about it. Tell me what's causing you anxiety. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you my peace. Hmm. And for many of us, we actually don't think that that's what would help us out the most. A lot of times when you're carrying a weight, you want a solution, you want an answer, you want clarity, but peace is a much different emotion. Hmm. Peace is the ability to be at peace when there's still a whole lot of things that are unanswered, Right. when there's a lot of loose ends, when there's a lot of uncertainty. We tend to make those synonymous. Certainty equals peace. No, you can have God's peace and have uncertainty in your life. You can have God's peace and have doubt in your life. You can have God's peace and not know how things are going to turn out in your life because this is what Jesus actually does. He says, I'll give you rest. But the key to that verse is you got to go to him. Right. He says, come to me. So many times we go elsewhere. Um, sometimes we go to our spouse and we need our spouse to try to help us you know, uh, gain some rest and some peace. And our spouses are amazing spouses. They're just not great saviors. Like right. only Jesus is the one that can give us rest. Sometimes maybe we go to some type of substance or some type of escape. And so you have to go to Jesus with that, and you have to be honest with him about that. And then I would say that's not a one-time conversation. Right. You know, This is an ongoing process of what it looks like to walk with the Lord. The other thing that we see in Scripture is that perfect love casts out fear. Well, that's helpful, but it doesn't really matter unless I experience what perfect love is like. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for a lot of us, then we have to start figuring out, well, how do I begin to lean into that experience of perfect love? And I believe that God has given us some tools to aid in that process. His word, uh, the accessibility that we have to Jesus Christ. Again, you don't have to have a pastor or a priest or anybody else pray for you. Right. Like you get, you have a direct line of communication. You and I as pastors don't have a more special line of communication to God than anybody else. Right. We all have access. And so the other thing I would add to that is worship music. Like there is something about worshiping and praising that that aligns our heart as well. So. Jesus is there to give us rest, but I think sometimes we are looking for answers and we're looking for clarity and we're looking for things that he didn't promise and we miss the rest that he's offering us. Right. So go for the rest and see if you don't ex begin to experience God's peace because it is something he wants to give you. He's not holding that back. Right. He wants to give you peace. We miss it sometimes because we're looking for other things that he hasn't really told us he would give us. Right. Yeah, you know, as you're talking about that, you know, I've said often that uh, nothing's taught me more about the nature of God than becoming a father. And I remember when uh, when my oldest was, was young, when she was a little baby, you know, she would cry. And I would go and I would pick her up and she would stop crying. And it was just my presence. It was her being in the presence, her being held. And so that's kind of what I hear you saying is that, you know, we may not get all the answers. It may not solve every problem, but when we're, in, we're in God's presence, we get that rest. That's exactly right. I think that's really, really good. That's That's really cool. 
Um, you know, your second point yesterday, you talked about uh, how Jesus wants to use us, how Jesus wants to use me, believe that, you know, Jesus can use me. So I guess my question for you is, um, how can I know if I'm doing that right? How can I know if I'm on the right path of how Jesus wants to use me? Well, you need to find out what Jesus wants to use you for, which is kind of why we're doing the series. Right. <laughs> you know, so he's told us that you need to be a light and he's given us the great commission. Right. Um, when I was a middle school pastor years ago, um, one of my students, I think it was Kelly, um, either Kelly or Whitney. I had these two middle school girls. They were inseparable and they're now married and raising their own families now. So it was one of the two of them that asked this question. Okay. I'm teaching middle school students. And one of them said, so you talk to us a lot about how much Jesus loves us. And um, we think that's great. But the question is, my question is, if Jesus loves me so much, how come right after I get saved, he doesn't just let me go ahead and go to heaven with him? Because you're like, middle school's hard. Right, right. So that'd kind of be nice if I actually got to just be with him. Right. And I got to be honest, I hadn't really thought about that question. And a 13-year-old, you know, don't ever underestimate middle school students. They can ask some pretty good questions. Right. And so I thought about it for a second, okay, well, what do I know? If I don't know the answer to her question, what do I know? And after reflecting on it for about 10 or 15 seconds, what I knew gave me the answer to her question. And the answer to her question is, well, he's left you here to be a light to others. Hmm. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Wow. Uh, the only two things we will not be able to do when we get to heaven one day are sin and tell other people about Jesus. Right. That's it. So for the Christ follower, you get to spend the rest of your years here on earth focusing on one of the two. I would encourage you to focus <laughs> on telling others about Jesus, sure. being a light, fulfilling the Great Commission. So if you want to be used by Jesus, be about what Jesus is about. And what did Jesus say he came to do? He came to do the will of the Father, which was to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus left the 99 to go after the one. So we are to be on mission to be a light to people who have not yet experienced salvation. They have not yet accepted Jesus Christ into their life as their Savior. And, and once you kind of go, all right, that's what I want to be about— I, that, that's my desire, okay? Mm -hmm. Lord, I don't know what that means or how that looks or what I'm supposed to do about that, but I'm telling you right now, Lord, that's what I want my life to count for that. I think that that heart committed to the Lord over a process, the Lord will begin to clarify for you what that needs to look like practically, mm. you know? So, you know, where you work or where you live or the job or the skill set or all of all the, it's like I told, you know, parents probably didn't like it, but I told students yesterday, the point of school isn't to get an education. The point of school is to be a light around the students you're with, because this is your greatest opportunity in life to be a light. Right. Once you leave school, you know, you can be a light when you get to work one day, but st study after study after study still shows that if people don't accept Christ before the age of 18, the likelihood of them doing that goes down pretty, pretty, you know, ab abrupt after that age. Right. So for teenagers, this is the greatest opportunity in their life they'll ever have to be a light. Wow. And that is more important than, you know, learning algebra. Right. So, you know, the learning the algebra, you know, get your grades, do the best you can. You know, we're supposed to do our best. You know, we're commanded that in Colossians. But, you know, if, if your heart is for that, I believe that over time you'll get clarity on what that's supposed to look like practically. So uh, you spent some time yesterday with a great illustration, the sphere of influence. And uh, I want to spend a little bit of time today talking about uh, the sphere of influence. What are the different levels and uh, kind of how does that relate to us in our, in our lives? So I didn't come up with that. Okay. <laughs> I think I forgot to mention that in the message yesterday. I'm pretty sure Rick Warren came up with that. Okay. You know, when in doubt, it was either Rick Warren or Benjamin Franklin. Like sure. that, you're usually <laughs> going to cover cover yourself. So right. 
Uh, we used it extensively in New York when I worked with uh, Nelson Searcy and Carrick Thomas up there at the Journey Church. It's just a helpful tool. Yeah. You know, it's just something to visualize. Okay, if I'm supposed to be a light, practically speaking, who should I start with? Right. Well, we walk through this little exercise. You know, who are your friends? Who are your family members, your neighbors, your coworkers? And the longer you live, the more you really begin to look at life that way. Hmm. Um, you know, life just gets busy and, you know, each season of life brings with it a different set of challenges, but you've got to always stay connected to people right? Um, because relationships matter, you know? So as I look at my personal sphere of influence, it has shifted a few times, you know, we've moved some and so that's going to, you know, change that. And, but then there are some people that are still in the sphere of influence, regardless of all those moves. Hmm. There are people that are in that sphere of influence and again, if you missed the message yesterday, we're talking about people who aren't Christ followers. Right. I'm not talking about close friends that help me walk with Jesus. I'm talking about people that have been in my life now for some of them 25, 30 years. They're, they're not Christ followers yet. Right. Um, but we are still friends. Now, you know, the person I'm thinking of right now, like he's super busy. He's also married. He's also a dad. He's also got a career that takes up a lot of his time. He lives in another city. We don't see each other in person, you know, but we text, right. you know, we, um, when we can, um, talk on the phone, but that's even hard to carve that time out. But we have a relationship that has gone on for a very long time, a friendship that's gone on for a very long time. And he's not a follower of Jesus, hmm. but he's going to stay in that sphere of influence for as long as the Lord gives me time here on earth, because I believe I was placed in his life strategically to be a light. And so I've tried really hard to do that over the course of all of these decades of friendship. And, you know, I pray that he will come to a place where he confesses, you know, Jesus as a Savior. And we've had lots of conversations about this over the years, right? right. So that, that's all I'm saying is, you know, I've got some family members that I could also say the same thing about. But then I'm also trying to constantly add new people to that sphere of influence. Sure. So everybody I meet... And I'm not saying this to sound like I've figured this thing out. I'm just telling you, this is how the Lord wired me. Everybody I meet, evangelism is what's on my mind. I am hmm. trying to build a relationship with that person because I want to lead them to Jesus. Now, I don't talk about this from the stage because I made a commitment years ago that I was never going to make lost people feel like I was using them to be sermon illustrations. Wow. So I don't talk about this right. because I don't want those folks who I'm building those friendships with to think that they're being used, to think that I'm proselytizing them, right. to think that I'm trying to get another uh, notch on my spiritual belt. I'm not going to post a picture on social media when I lead somebody to the Lord. I'm just, I made that commitment years ago, but I try to immerse myself in places where it's appropriate, um, whether it's a gym, whether it's a little league, whether it's a whatever, where I am going to make some new friendships with people who aren't followers of Jesus. And it takes time to do right. that. Yeah. This is a process. You know, this isn't something that happens quickly and, and it might be months and it might be years, but the goal is to to be a presence and to be a friend and to let that person know, I love you and accept you the way you are right now. I'm not waiting for you to see the world the way I do before I'm going to accept you. I don't, I'm not waiting for you to become a Christ follower before you feel like I want to be your friend. Right. So I got to put up with a few things. Maybe they're going to use some language I don't like. Maybe they're going to be inappropriate in some places that I'm, or something you know, like, you know, some things they say, right? Sure. So, um, and I've got boundaries in place. I mean, I'm not going to go, you know, do something crazy on a weekend with a bunch of guys because right. I mean, it's like, I got boundaries, right. but... 
I'm also not going to make them feel weird or awkward just for being somebody who's lost, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that if you set that as your goal and you pray about it and you ask the Lord, he will bring people into your life yeah. that, that need him. And um, I just think it's part of what we've been called to do. But to get back to your question, the sphere of influence is something just every now and then it's a helpful tool to revisit. Yeah. And if you don't have a name that comes to mind quickly in one of those categories, there's some work to do. Hmm. Maybe you need to meet some of your neighbors. You know, maybe you need to take, I don't know what the step would be, but I do feel like if we're not intentional, again, right. we won't have a sphere of influence. Right. Because we're Christians and we love the Lord and we love each other and we need one another. So by default, we will do nothing but surround ourselves with other people who see the world just like we do right. and who walk with the Lord just like we do. That is a component of our faith. It's not the end-all, be-all of our faith. Right. So you got to be intentional about building in these relationships with other people who aren't Christ followers. Yeah, and you know, that kind of ties into you know, our next you know, question. You know, we talked about the sphere of influence, and what I hear you saying is that uh, you know, there has to be a genuine—you you have to genuinely care about these folks you know, and, and not just you know, see it as there's an end goal in mind. In other words, I, I care about you. Um, you, know, you talked at the end of your message about uh, inviting folks to church. So what if someone is listening to this and they, man, they, they want to make that invite, but maybe they're nervous to make that invite? Like what's, what's the best way for that person to get that invite out there? Yeah, I mean, that's normal and natural. Sure. Um, I think everybody feels that. And so the people who then push through that, maybe they've developed a few techniques, right. um, a few strategies um, that help them do right. that. So again, it's a great reminder. You know, the people who do invite someone to church were just as nervous as you were. Right. They just pushed through that. Um, you know, one of my kind of guiding philosophies in life um, that I read in a book years ago, and I was like, I like that. Now, this isn't a conviction. It's not like a, you know, part of my faith, but I just think it's a helpful philosophy, is never say someone's no for them. Hmm. You know, don't assume somebody's going to say no. Right. You know, so ask them to church. What's the worst thing they can say? No. Okay. Well, they weren't going to go to church anyway. Right. So nothing's changed in that dynamic, unless you were rude about it, which obviously, you know, we don't want that. But if you're kind and you're gracious and you ask them and they say, you know, thanks, but I won't be able to make it or, you know, no, thank you. You're in the exact same place you were. Right. But what if they say yes? And so what I choose to do is focus on that, hmm. you know, instead of like, what if they say no? Well, okay, nothing changes. Right. Well, what if I focus on what if they say yes? Like, what if they actually show up? What if they do join us online? What if they actually hear the gospel? What if they respond? What if I get to see them baptized? Wow. What if they're in a life group with me in the future? You know, what if my kid marries their kid one day as a godly spouse? Like, these are the what if questions right, yeah. of like, what if they say yes? And you never know. And I shared the story yesterday about uh, Lindsay, Morgan's friend. You know, when Lindsay invited Morgan to that Bible study, you know, I, I can promise you, because Lindsay was in our wedding. I mean, you know, I, I know she and her husband live in another state. And, you know, so I, I don't know Lindsay as well as Morgan knows Lindsay. But for what I know about Lindsay is, you know, someone who's close to my wife is she wasn't doing that because she was like, I've seen in Morgan the potential to marry a pastor one day. Right, right. Who, you know, they'll make great partners in ministry. Like, right. it's just her friend. She yeah. cared about her. You know, she wanted to see her meet Jesus. The person who does everything that we're talking about today, the best of anyone I know in my life is, is my wife, Morgan. Hmm. She's the best. She's the best at this. Well, what I mean, it would make sense. It's a part of her story. Right. It's a part of her testimony. My wife builds relationships with women everywhere we've ever lived equally with women who walk with the Lord and women who don't. Hmm. 
And she does it with such grace and kindness and does it in a way that's genuine because truthfully, Chad, that's all she knows. Wow. She never went to an evangelism training. Right. She never, I mean, she didn't grow up in the, and I'm not against evangelism trainings. We'll, sure. we'll do evangelism trainings here from time sure. to time at Bon Forest. But I think you hear what I'm saying. Yeah. Like she, she doesn't know a Christianity other than a friend who loved Jesus telling her about Jesus. Mm. And so she actually thinks that's kind of what we're supposed to do. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know? And then she does it really, really well. And so, yes, it, it, you, you can be nervous and I get it. Um, but man, I do think in this season, it's easier than ever yeah. to ask someone to be a part of a worship gathering here at Vaughn Forest. Yeah. They can come on campus or they can join us online. I mean, that that's a pretty easy ask to make. And if they say no or they can't make it, like, that's okay. Yeah. You've at least planted that seed. Yeah. You know, and it, it, this kind of all ties back to that first scripture you talked about where Peter's brother just went and got him and brought him to Jesus, you know, and, and I, I've heard before that, you know, people come to Jesus best on the arm of a trusted friend. And so genuinely caring about folks and loving them and, and being there for them. I think that's, that's incredible. And I love what you said about just, you know, what, what if they say yes, what if they come to church and, and making that ask? I think that's fantastic. I like it when, when Phillips, you know, trying to get Nathaniel to, to show up and Nathaniel drops a question on him and Philip says, come and see. Yeah. So that's come and see evangelism. And and that's what I'm saying. Like people throw questions your way, they're not sure. Like you can tell them, well, just check it out for yourself. Right. Now the come and see would be like they physically come to our campus and see for themselves, or they can sit and see yeah, <laughs> from right. the comfort of their own living room right. online. Right. So it's never been easier for someone to be a part of that. Right. But here's the thing, they don't know. You would be shocked at how many people in our community have no clue that Vaughn Forest Church is even here. They have no clue about anything we do. I've lived here now for two and a half years, and easily the vast majority of people who I've met in our community had never even heard of our church. They had no idea where we were, and I start trying to describe, you know, and they're like, oh, I think I know. I mean, and and then some of them, after I describing it, would say, oh— I actually drive by that every day on my way to work. Right. So we, we think that people think about church and that they know about church. They don't. They don't. The vast majority of people I've met in Montgomery, Alabama, they don't even know Vaughn Forest Church exists. Wow. Okay. So, you know, don't ever assume anything. Just ask and invite and then, you know, see what God does. Yeah. So speaking of all that, you know, we have a new series kicking off this Sunday. And I want to spend just a little bit of time, you know, talking about that. And we've talked about it a little bit on the podcast, uh, but really just kind of get into, you know, what what we're doing, what we're going to be talking about, why it's so important for our listeners and our folks to invite their friends and family to this. So tell us the series. So it's not just a phase, parenting in a post-pandemic world. So we're going to talk about parenting. Yep. I've never done a whole series on parenting. Right. So um, ask me in March if we'll do it again, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So let's kind of back up for a second. Sure. Um, people are most open to the gospel message in their lives when they are walking through one of three seasons. These are easy to remember because they all start with the letter T. Okay. Okay. So these seasons are transition, tension, or trouble. Okay. Okay. So any type of transition in your life, you're going to be more receptive to the gospel message. And we know the big transitions. You graduate high school, you go to college, you get married, you start a job, you have a baby, you lose a spouse, you become empty nesters. Okay. All of these are major life transitions. Um, tension. We would describe this as stress, anxiety, things that we typically would move underneath the header of emotional health. You, you're just kind of at you're kind of at your wits end. You right. know, you're looking for some type of guidance and hope, or trouble. It could be financial trouble. 
Um, it could be marital trouble. It could be trouble with one of your kids. Um, so when you're in one of those three seasons, you're looking for an answer and you're looking for hope and you're looking for guidance. Mm. Well, as the church, we have all three of those things. Right. Like we have hope, we have answers, and we have guidance through Jesus and God's word. So what we try to do from time to time as a church is ask the question, what area would we want to speak into that might offer people hope, guidance, answers, encouragement that fits one of those three seasons, tension, right. you know, transitions, or trouble. And we settled on parenting, and we settled on this idea that parenting, and I know that we are technically not in a post-pandemic world, but I think the idea you know, sticks sure. that there have been some things that have shifted and changed, and as parents, we have to be equipped to guide our kids into this new reality, into this new season, into just you know, trying to manage life yeah. as a 10-year-old, yeah. as a 16-year-old. And so we're going to look at the timeless principles of God's Word, which are in season, in every season, and we're going to try to apply them to this. Right. And what my hope is, is that for our people, there's an immense amount of help and guidance and encouragement. So if you call Vaughn Forest Church home, you know, I think you're going to come out of this series going like, man, I'm glad that my church cares, and I'm glad my church wants to come alongside me. Sure. I'm glad I'm not trying to just figure this out on my own. Um, and I think there will be a lot of you know good things for that. I also hope that people who are in our community who aren't connected to our church, maybe this is the bridge that they walk over that does get them connected to our church. Right. And that's a metaphor, but it's a gospel bridge to basically say, you know, Jesus has saved us, yes, but our faith permeates itself into every area of our life, including this. Sure. And we think that God's Word gives us a lot of great guidance, and, and even someone who's not exactly looking to become a Christ follower— if they're looking for help in this area, that desire and that journey and that curiosity is going to lead them to the cross. It's yeah. going to lead them to Jesus Christ. Yeah. So we're hoping that this series is also one that really touches a lot of people's hearts and exposes them to the gospel and possibly even gets them connected in our church family. Because we do believe that the call of the church is to share the gospel message, to see people experience salvation and to help them experience the benefit of a new family. Hmm. And, um, you know, the best word to describe a church is a family. Right. You know, we're the family of God. And so that's our prayer and our hope for this series. But like I said yesterday in the message, you know, if our people will heed the call to, you know, invite some folks to join us, like all of the things I just described have a shot of actually happening. Right. But if you and I sitting around talking on a podcast, probably ain't going to make that happen. Right. So I am challenging our people, you know, be bold. You know, don't don't say someone's no for them. Right. You know, ask them to check it out, to be a part of, of what we're going to do, and then leave it between them and God. You know, your role is to ask. Your role isn't to convince or to manipulate or to, you just got to ask. Right. You got to invite. And right. so that's what we're challenging people to do that. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously we'll be on campus at 930 and 11, our services every Sunday, but we're trying something new for these five weeks. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, let's do. Um, so we're going to offer a different type of online experience. Yeah. So we're going to do the sermon, um, but we're going to do it in a little different format. It's going to be a shorter experience. So I think we're going for probably about 40, 45 minutes. Okay. Um, and the goal is to just really talk to individuals who are joining us online. Yeah. You know, it, it's different than talking to a room full of people and also including those who you know are joining us online. We want to speak directly to someone who's joining us online. Right. And um, we also want to make sure that those who are joining us online are able to experience that 
beyond just the time they spend online. There's so many different avenues to get connected here at Vaughn Forest Church. And sometimes um, in our desire to get people on our campus connected, sometimes we don't do as good a job of trying to help those who are joining us online get connected right. beyond that experience, right. okay? And we tell people all the time, if your only experience with our church is the worship gathering that happens every week, we're glad you're joining us. And by no means do we encourage you to stop that. You are going to get something from that. Right. But you're missing out on, on what so much more of what right. you could be experiencing. So we're going to try that in this series and see if it will if we can help people take those steps. And then at the end of the series, you know, we'll decide if we want to continue with that format or if we want to just go back to a live broadcast. So we're not saying that it's wrong to do a live broadcast of your online experience, but we've always been a church that are willing to try new ideas. And um, I love that our church is like that. Absolutely. You know, I've been at some churches where you want to try a new idea and everybody gets mad, you know? (laughs) So I love the Vaughn Forest, you know, people are like, yeah, go for it, you know, try it. So we're going to try it for five weeks. And so again, if you've got people in your life that they're more comfortable joining us online, we are creating an, an experience specifically tailored to them. Sure. So don't shy away from that. Don't don't act like the on-campus experience is the varsity experience and the online experience is the JV experience. Right. Like we are a church that gathers on campus, but we also gather online, and we see both as equally valuable. Right. Now, for those who join us online locally, there will be some things that I say from time to time to encourage them to check out services on our campus at some point. Sure. I do think that what we're seeing God do in our children's ministry right now is worth paying attention to. Right. So the families in our community, and again, we're doing a parenting series, if they've got kids, I think it would be great for their kids to be a part of what God's doing. Right. So I'll encourage people from time to time to come on our campus so that their family can experience a little bit more of the benefit of being a part of Vaughn Forest, but by no means are we saying it's a lesser experience. Right. You know, and then I guess, you know, before we wrap up today, you know, we're, we're encouraging folks to invite people. Um, but we're not give, we're not doing that without giving you some tools to do so. You know, we've got an invitation video from you. We've got this digital invite that we're posting on social media. And so literally right now you can go to any of our social media, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can go to Instagram. Uh, there was a video invite that got posted to you earlier today that we'll post several times. And so we just want folks to share those invites and, and, and invite their friends. There's going to be a digital invite that goes out in the shout outs this week that we would love for folks to email out if they can. Obviously, we'll have instructions you know, about that. So we want to equip our folks, right? To, That's cool. To invite folks. So. Yeah, whoever you wrote down yesterday on that sphere of influence, you are the most gifted and equipped person to reach them. Right. Not Chad, not me, not anyone else. So, um, you know, go for it. Yeah. You know, and see what God does. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place for us to wrap up. And I love this conversation. I've loved this series talking about being a light, shining, you know, the light of Jesus, being a light amplifier, not a light dimmer. And I'm really looking forward to this series starting off. I'm looking forward to what God's going to do through this upcoming series, you know, on parenting uh, in our community and in our lives. And I think it's going to be really, really good. So, Adam, thanks for sharing with us today, man. I think this is this has been really good. And uh, so on behalf of Adam Bishop and myself, thanks for tuning in. We will catch you guys next time. Thank you.